Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, joined us at Othnam by my wonderful colleague, our blog editor and newsletter commander, Ryan Donovan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ben. How you doing? Good. So we have an episode today sponsored by the fine folks at Smart Bear, and we're going to talk about APIs, which is probably one of the most popular topics on our blog. At least from an SEO perspective, we have some pieces that just never stop giving. If you want to learn about the best practices for REST APIs, gosh, we have a blog for you. It's been running for what, like <laughs> three years now? Just never stops producing traffic? That's right. The gift that keeps on giving. Gift that keeps on giving. But yeah, we're going to be chatting with the folks at SmartBear about incorporating APIs into software design, testing and visibility, API lifecycle, all that good stuff. So I'd like to welcome to the program from SmartBear, Frank Kilcommons, who is an API technical evangelist. Frank, welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. Thanks very much, Ben. Delighted to be here. So for folks who are listening, tell them a little bit about yourself, how you got into the world of software design, how you found yourself at the role you're at today, and, and what is you know SmartBear for people who are listening? What should they know? Well, got involved in software many, many decades ago at this stage. So I always was tinkering in, in software right through my, my high school years or secondary school years, as we call them in Ireland. Studied computer science. There was nothing else I wanted to do but study computer science and mathematics. Um, so always loved playing and tinkering with, with computers, with software, fascinated about how they work. Went straight from that into a career as a software engineer. Loved it. And gradually progressed into different areas across software, more into the architecture side. So spent uh, many years as a, as a software architect, always very practical, very hands-on, just can't stop, still tinkering. Then moved more into kind of an enterprise architecture role within financial services, which during the time, going back six or seven years ago now, we're going through waves of digital transformation, uh, transformational journeys. You know, it, it was the buzzword going back a couple of years and you know, everyone is still transforming. Technology is still transforming. But in any way, shape or form, if you're transforming, you need APIs to do that. So to participate in the digital economy, you do that through opening up your capabilities via APIs to participate in these broader ecosystems, these broader platforms. So that that's what really kind of started my, my kind of focus area or focus interest into the API space. So how can we like educate an organization to to change their mindset with regards to how they position capabilities, realizing that like very much like a shop on the high street, you can't rely on footfall coming into your store. It's kind of the same with a proprietary piece of software. It's hard to rely on folks coming in, discovering the the end-to-end capability of your software. You need to open it up to a broader world, to a broader ecosystem. Um, So that's what I've been at for, for quite some time on the practitioner side of that. So doing that within within companies and organizations. And then as a part of that, I've played with many, many tools, many, many API platforms. And I always thought I could bring a specific perspective to the vendor space. Uh, so when the opportunity arose, I jumped over and said, I'll, I'll apply my skills and my knowledge to making sure that we can now build tools to equip me in a previous life to help me be successful and, and folks like me be successful. So that's where I find myself now. I'm on the other side of the fence, trying to make sure that we can build tools within SmartBear to equip the next wave of software engineers and testers. And within SmartBear, SmartBear itself is 
over 10 years old. So we have over 12 global office locations. We're headquartered in Boston, Massachusetts. I work out of out of Galway in, in Ireland. And we have a simple motto. And we want to enable you know, individuals, teams, and organizations to make each software release better than the last. So we're equipping them with the tools and the ability to gain insights into their processes to make sure that their next software release can be better, can be more robust, can be faster. That's it in a nutshell. You talked about these these waves and waves of digital transformation. And I feel like for a lot of those waves, it means more and more APIs, and some more and more microservices. Why do you think companies are are moving to more of an API-based architecture? I think it's a little bit like I touched on briefly. It's, you know, being able to reach the audiences that you want with your, you know, USP, regardless of what industry you find yourself in. You know, you're bringing value to your customers in some shape or form, but your customers' expectations have increased kind of exponentially over the last number of years. And they expect immediacy very, very quick. And so they're looking at experiences that you potentially aren't able to offer and newer kids, newer startups are coming into the Coming onto the block, they're able to do things better. And you want to make sure that you can still offer your value proposition there. So we we see this kind of evolution happening in in several industries. I think financial services is a prime example. You know, we have the concept of open banking there, which is more in the retail banking sector. It's moving to a broader concept of embedded finance. And it's all about being able to embed the capabilities of finance into an experience that's put front and center at the end user level. So you could be within a completely different experience outside of finance, but you want to purchase something right then and right there, but maybe you don't have the money. So you want like to buy it now and pay for it later. That opens up a very complex financial transaction and process. And if the the shop app that you're using to purchase that thing was to build that whole complex financial services process, they would, they would never focus on what they're supposed to be doing. And that's providing a good buyer experience for the products that they're offering. So they can consume all of that capability through an API provided by financial services providers and embed it right into that sweet selling spot. And that kind of unlocks the potential uh, for everybody. And and it, it shifts the focus as to how value is offered in the digital economy. So in the example you're using, you know, a company is getting access to an incredibly sophisticated credit check that might run through, you know, different banks and agencies. And I've actually done stuff like this, you know, within a minute or two, let you know if you've been validated to purchase that extra refrigerator you've always dreamed of on layaway. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, for the software engineers who are listening, who might work inside of that company, it feels like testing and visibility gets harder when so much of the system is accessed through APIs, first party or third party. So how do teams get visibility into the endpoints they use you know, and ensure that everything is working or if errors arise, they know how to find them, diagnose them and fix them. There's a couple of questions kind of baked within, within that one, Benjamin. But um, like what I would say is that being able to find and discover an API is the first need that you need to provide with regards to the consumers. And it's not just developers. It could be product managers. It could be business analysts. It could be even security folks. They want to be able to discover what you have. So you need to kind of provide that catalog or that portfolio that they can browse. They can quickly determine, is the API on offer here going to address the challenge that we're trying to face? So 
you know, that that's all about focusing on good API design, making sure that it's usable, making sure that it's findable. And then you want to give the experience of onboarding to get access to that API and exploring the surface area of that API. So it's a bit like if you're buying a car, you know, it's nice to look at the catalog, you know, it's nice to browse the color palettes. It's maybe even nice to experience a virtual simulation of that car, mm. but you want to take it for a test drive. You want to be able to explore it and play with it very, very quickly without going to the effort of writing, you know, the code client to, to actually do that. That's what developers want to do. They want to be able to explore APIs quickly, make that decision quite easily. Is it easier for us to use this or is it easier for us to build our own thing? And as we're moving more into a composable architecture model, easier that you can start assembling capabilities together. That's when the API economy comes to life. You know, you move beyond the days of end-to-end integrations or API last, as I like to call it. So you're solely focused on building the thing that you want to build and that's all cool and then as soon as it's out there and it's shipped someone else would go wouldn't it be really cool if we could just integrate what you built with this other thing over here and then you have to like peel off the lid of it and figure out how you're going to start talking with this other system that's uh, somewhere else maybe even outside of your company but kind of thinking about the api consumption aspect first catering for the needs of folks who want to discover apis explore apis play with them that, that's really the business that we're that we're in at Smartware, and we're trying to provide those tools to unlock that. And then when those APIs are out there and running, regardless of the runtime, how can you observe what's happening? How can you determine, you know, is this bug worth fixing, or you know, should we toggle off this new capability that we just rolled out, uh, bring it back into the analysis phase, make it a little bit more robust, and then ship it through the process again? Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, discoverability on on APIs. I remember working within a service-oriented architecture, just discovering the internal APIs was a challenge. How do you improve discoverability both within your internal stuff and with the stuff you're you're giving to clients? Yes, I'm, I'm very much an advocate for the API first process and an API design first methodology when it comes to delivering APIs. So that's kind of, you know, use specifications that are out there that are well-proven. So something like, Open API as a specification for describing HTTP-based or RESTful APIs. Async API is kind of a sister specification for more event-driven APIs because that gives you a well-proven mechanism to assert the quality of the API. So you can use tools, much like the tool suite that we provide at Smartware, much like other vendors also provide. We all understand the, the common specifications that are out there, and that can unlock a lot of potential across the actual process of delivering an API from design and collaborative design, even kind of guided and aided design by making sure that you're not going off-piste or you're not doing something that is not, let's say, meeting the style guides or the brand of how you want APIs to be represented outside of your company or outside of your team. And it also means that you can then kind of catalog your API. So you can start building up your API and you can start making it easy to find them, easy to discover them based on different attributes, based on different business value offerings. And that's a good way to to make sure that they're going to be used across the organization. So there's one thing for sure, and it's if an API is not used, then it's not bringing any value. And if it's not bringing any value, then it's quite useless So, you know, one of the things you have to focus on is promoting the ability for this API to be easily found, being able to promote the capabilities of the API so people can easily assess 
is it going to bring value to me? And then making it easy for them to onboard, play with that API, and eventually integrate that API into their software application. You know, we've been talking a little bit about how SmartBear makes it easier to discover this stuff. Ryan was mentioning visibility, even internally, right? First party and third party. What is like the life cycle of an API? Let's say somebody crafts one, I discover it, start using it, it's working great. But then I go to a new company with a different tech stack and I want to integrate it or the company that's providing it, you know, deprecate some of what they're doing. And, you know, I need to find a new way to keep that functionality in my app. How do you look at API lifecycle and, and how do you ensure, yeah, that for everyone involved on both ends, you know, there's few instances of the car breaking down. We'll keep our metaphor going here as possible. You know, there's a few different versions of, of the API lifecycle out there. Different vendors will position it slightly differently. Maybe different industries will position it slightly differently. But in the end, it's about, you know, assessing what is the problem space that you're trying to solve for, having this strategic, let's say, vision within your organization as to why your teams will build an API to solve certain problems. Then as you move through, you want them to build good APIs. So that means you take that problem, so that ideation phase, you then bring it into a design, a collaborative design phase, where you can get very fast feedback on, can we assert if this API is going to solve the problem that we intended to solve? In Smarter speak, that's where our Swagger Hub platform comes into play. So it's all about collaborating on the API design with different stakeholders, using different specifications, so be it Swagger, be it OpenAPI, be it Async API. So it's very much understanding that different flavors of APIs and different uh, styles of APIs might be the best tool to solve the problem. So I always say, beware of the law of instrument. So just because you know you can find that Stack Overflow blog on REST best practices doesn't necessarily mean that REST is going to be the best way to design the API for the problem space that you're intending. So we want to provide a, a design, collaborative design tool to suit different flavors of APIs. And then the output of that is an approved design candidate in an API specification. So it's a definition conforming with a specific specification, which then unlocks the power of automation because guess what? Tools can understand the specification as well. So it means you can kind of kickstart things in parallel. So you can empower the testers to start building tests for your API. You can empower the developers to start, you know, boilerplating the code for the API, building out virtualizations for the API. You can handle things like security, performance testing. Once all of that's done and you've checked all the boxes that you need to check, so you've gone from defining it to designing it to developing it to testing it, and all boxes are green, now you can start thinking about deploying it. And I think safe deployment is, is an interesting concept. So the first time through this process, yes, you can just deploy it. And, but I think as, as Ryan was mentioning, or even as you were mentioning, Ben, how can we make sure we don't have car brakes along the way? How can we make sure that one model of the car isn't going to break? And an API is a promise that you're making to your consumer. So you're saying, look, this is my best effort that this functionality is going to function as described uh, in this definition. But different consumers will have different expectations on how that API actually behaves. They will be relying on different parts of the surface area. So how can you gain that insight? How can you really determine if I was to make this change, 
who is it going to impact and is that impact going to be breaking? And that's where the concept of contract testing comes in. So we have some open source and commercial offerings there as well around packs and pack flow. And that's all giving you an insight into who your consumers are, understanding if this change is going to break them. And you can get instantaneous feedback into your CI pipeline to say, yes, it's cool. We can deploy this. We're not going to break anyone. And if it shows that someone is going to break, then that's okay too. It just means you know who they are. You can communicate with them and you can work towards like releasing your software in parallel or in a way that's going to cause the least possible impact. It's good you mentioned um, that our, you know, REST isn't the only game in town. It's GraphQL and gRPC. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's still using SOAP out there, but are there quirks to these individual frameworks and standards that show up when you're trying to gain visibility and, and to explore APIs? Yeah, I think like one of the main major challenges out there is that often these different flavors or these different styles will kind of live in different parts of the organization. That can also be quite natural. You know, teams will deviate to a technology stack that they're comfortable with. Being able to provide a facility and a mechanism to kind of create your overarching portfolio of APIs. So this is the catalog of what we can do from a composable perspective within our organization towards our partners and even externally to to the big bad world. That's incredible if you can combine and have, let's say, a multi-styled catalog. So regardless of how someone wants to consume your capability, maybe it's in a request response type of style. Maybe they want to query using uh, GraphQL. Maybe they want to publish and subscribe to to various event-driven APIs. If you can have centralized catalog that can offer easy discoverability across these different flavors. Again, you're increasing the likelihood that things will be reused rather than reinvented. So we've been talking a lot about APIs. Just to you know, sort of take a broader look at things here, the tech industry is in a period of re-entrenchment. A lot of folks during the pandemic decided to leave and you know, maybe go freelance or contractor or you know, felt they could step away and you know, have their pick of the job that made the most sense for them. And then more recently, you know, a lot of layoffs in the industry. So when there's, you know, a lot of turnover like that, when, you know, teams and, and departments and divisions inside of big companies are, are getting changed up, what is the impact, you know, on the API ecosystem? Does that make API visibility worse? You know, when there's an issue, is it harder to get in touch with the folks you need or, or find the, you know, resources you need to fix it? What's Smartbear's perspective on kind of the, the macro picture right now? Yeah, I think, you know, th- things can get more challenging. It's quite logical to have a perspective that you cannot do more with less uh, developers and testers and product folks and engineering in general as part of your organization or your team. It's hard to keep up with all of the demands that are put before you. Um, So we're we're very much focused on being able to kind of break down the silos that, that can often happen across the different stages of API delivery, as well as across let's say, the broader teams who might be working on on microservices. So, you know, you're dealing with this mass transition towards microservices as well over the last number of years, as I think, Ryan, you you brought it up in in one of the opening questions. And to be true to to the essence of microservices, you have to maintain that flexibility in in your deployment. So you want to be able to deploy one individual microservice without the whole big thing that it, it might be part of the bigger picture. So how can you have the visibility to really ensure that you can do that that safely? 
the way we look at it is that if you can use tools that work very, very well across the different stages of the API lifecycle. So, you know, I think we touched on design up to the point of deployment in the, in the last question, but even beyond that, you know, how can you showcase what you have? So a very kind of elegant developer portal supporting teams to browse and find and get up and running and have all of the documents and examples and workflows that they need so that they don't have to effectively talk to another human to help them self-serve on what they're trying to do. That, that, that's also very important. <laughs> Another way that I, lo- I look at it is when you, when you focus on the interface of the value proposition that you're trying to do. So at the end, it doesn't matter if you're on the engineering side or the business side, you're trying to sell your proposition to someone else. You're trying to convince them that they should use your capability rather than going to a competitor, rather than building their own in-house one. The interface and why I, I very much advocate for the use of like design or API specifications is that it frees you from other technical decisions that you need to make. So the really hard stuff around the tech stack or the really hard stuff around addressing technology debt. As long as you can keep that promise that you make at the interface level, you actually free up teams to do quite wild, quite disruptive stuff behind the interface. As long as they can maintain that that promise is still held upstream, they actually have that freedom. They have that capability. So that's quite empowering once you kind of get that message across to a very distributed organization. It can have quite positive impact. And if you also treat documentation as a first-class citizen with regards to APIs and focus on the consumer. So there's always kind of two things. It's are we building the right API? So that's are we addressing the, the problem that we expect to be solved by this API? Mm-hmm. And then are we building it right? So are we catering for the needs of the consumer? Are we buying into the concept of developer experience and what is needed by the consumer to self-serve for this API? And if they can get up and running there, it's going to reduce the burden that's put on the teams that are maybe reducing in size. So you're going to have less questions coming to you. If it gets to the point where, hey, we're actually getting new people into our team, they can ramp up a lot quicker because if they can understand the fundamental interfaces and how you work, so you have common ways of delivering APIs across your organization, they can be much more fluid with regards to uh, where they can spread their value. So we talked a little bit about exploration, but you all are actually uh, launching a new tool for, for API exploration. Can you talk a little bit about that, how that works? Sure. So it's called Swagger Hub Explore. So the key is in the name, uh, but it, it is all focused on exploring APIs of different styles. So in the initial uh, launch that we, we've just done, it supports exploring REST, uh, RESTful APIs, so HTTP-based APIs. And it also supports exploring Kafka-orientated APIs, so event-driven APIs that you can publish towards Kafka topics and subscribe to Kafka topics. So it's a very, very lightweight, easy-to-use tool for test-driving that API. So you can really take it for a spin, learn how the API functions, what the surface area of the API looks like to determine if this is going to be what you need it to be before you invest in in getting up and writing all of the code and all of the integration to pull that API into your application. So it's um, it's it's really one of the the pillars that we think is important across across our API platform. So that's one aspect of it. It's a free tool, and we think it'll work very very well with our Swagger open source ecosystem as well as our commercial products. So. 
going from being able to design APIs to explore uh, what they're doing. So we kind of like like to ask ourselves certain questions. You know, how is an API designed to work? And that's where you can browse the specs. How is it behaving right now? That's where you can explore it, play with it. How can I onboard to the API? How can I get access to it? How can I get production keys? That's We're also planning to launch something new in that space called our API portal offering. Then we have some rich testing capabilities for really functionally testing that API, performance testing it, security testing it. And then, as I mentioned, you know, you want to know if any change is going to break existing consumers. And that's where our contract testing capabilities uh, with Packflow come in. So it's, it's about making all of these things independent enough and interoperable enough that we can provide a full platform offering, but we're still open enough to fit into any technical stack or any investments that might have already been made across different stages of the API lifecycle. So it doesn't have to be all SmartBear API platform. We're open enough to plug and play with, with all other uh, offerings that are out there as well, which is is quite important. But um, we're, yeah, we're really excited about it. It's a really good step and we're, we're making tremendous progress across the Swagger tool suite in general. So exciting times ahead on, on the SmartBear side. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. As we always do at this time, I want to shout out someone from the Stack Overflow community who came on, contributed a little bit of knowledge, helped us save a question from the, the dustbin of history. Today, we will go with a badge for the curious. Ask a well-received question on five separate days and maintain a positive question record. Thanks to Worst Case for coming on Stack Overflow and asking a lot of great questions, maintaining a positive reputation, helping folks learn a little bit about the art and practice of software. I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. If you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, shoot us an email, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you like what you hear, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? It really helps. I'm Ryan Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find it at stackoverflow.blog. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can find me at rthordonovan. Thanks, everyone. My name is Frank Kilcommons. I'm an API technical evangelist at SmartBear. Uh, you can reach out to me at Twitter or LinkedIn with uh, Commons or Commons handles. Check out what we have to offer on the SmartBear API platform side. We've got some really, really cool free and commercial products there to help you accelerate with your API journey. So thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.